Welcome to the Shitposter.club anime review podcast. I am Dad, your host. With me is special guest, All Bones Jones. That's right, he's brought with him the Dark Souls of VTubers, the master of the mislead, mansplain, and mid-boss. You are legit really good at not only playing video games, but reading the chat and replying to the chat all at the same time without missing a beat. So you have a real talent for engaging your audience. I'm impressed. Ah, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I'm used to doing stupid crap like that. There's been a uh, number of ta like I've done a bunch of stuff. Like, okay, how do I even phrase this? Uh, basically, this is just a habit that I've gotten into because there used to be things like playing Dark Souls too, where I do that while texting someone in another window or speaking to someone at the same time. So it just comes very naturally to me. Yeah, you're good at it. Plus, I, uh, I mean, that's how I got the reading part, the talking to myself. I mean, that's just, like, I'm not actually doing anything different compared to how I normally play video games. I just talk to myself all the time, and I've decided to turn a camera on during it. Yeah, it sounds like you're making good use of uh, an important skill like that. When yes, I play video, I just, sit, I just sit in silence the whole time. I'd be terrible the, streamer. The important skill of being slightly crazy. So why do you roll your R's? Oh, that's to flex on the people that can't. Oh, Back I thought you when were, I was streaming. I you were practicing your Spanish or something. No, no, no. Back when I was streaming like Sonic 2006, uh, I rolled an R off for something as, you know, a joke. To try to make something sound ridiculous and Spanish. And someone in chat was like, man, that's so crazy that you can roll your R's that successfully. And for the rest of the stream, I decided to roll my R's to flex on that one guy. And I'm still rolling my R's to this day. I just watched your whole three-hour stream, and you were rolling your R's, like, 98% of the time. Oh, yeah, no, no. I, I started rolling my R's to flex on that one guy six months ago. I'm still doing it. <laughs> well, it's one of several attention-grabbing gimmicks you have, including your <laughs> skeleton priest avatar, which I think is cool. And my personal favorite of all the gimmicks, the uh, sound redeems, the disguised ones. Oh, the ones with the like Discord alerts and stuff? Yes! It, it, if you redeem it in chat, it just says stuff like hydrate or stretch or anything like that. But in actuality, it's a sound alert that plays like Discord digging noises, you know, realistic stereophonic knocking on the door, stuff like that. Yeah, when I hear that stuff, it gets me every time. <laughs> I did see a guy in your chat say, how does a skeleton stretch with no muscles? Ah, he's never stretched his bones before? Come on. Just pull on it real hard. But no, the actual reason for the stretch... I don't actually pay attention to any of that shit. I don't need chat to remind me to hydrate or stretch. I know how to take care of myself. That's just there to make chat fuck with itself, often by accident. There's a lot of people who, like, redeem that stuff without reading what it actually does. And like, wait, why did I get a Discord sound? What, what happened? How? What? <laughs> yeah, no, no matter what I'm doing, I make sure to stand up and stretch and walk around a bit, about once an hour or so. Mm. I have a bad enough spine as it is. Oh, I feel you. Well, I mean, I don't really feel you on that. I comprehend you on that. I, if I right. were, you know, a lesser being, I might have back issues. But no, I'm just fine. I can just do that kind of stuff. There's no issue. No, your skeleton spine works perfectly all the time. Yep. So 
You drink a lot of milk then? Ah, uh, I tried cutting it out of my diet recently to see what happened, but yeah, I'm mostly powered by coffee and uh, slippery elm tea on stream, but off stream I drink plenty of milk. No, I was maintaining kayfabe, pretending you're you're an actual skeleton creature. That's <laughs> not no, I I am one. I mean, not a preacher. Yeah. I am legally registered as a priest, and I do drink a lot of milk. It's just that I don't tend to drink it on stream. I'm sounding like Space Ghost here. Whenever he he asks guests if they're getting enough oxygen. <laughs> you know, I've never actually seen more than like 10 seconds of Space Ghost as I passed by a TV. I don't tend to watch like any television. Oh, I grew up watching tons of Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Never cared about the original superhero show, but the mm. wacky postmodern version, freaking excellent. Rumors that I was the voice of Zorak are unsubstantiated. I see. Freed are not familiar with that character. I assume he sounds similar to you, then. Yeah, he's the green locust who's always pestering Space Ghost. Ah, the As only, a voice uh, similar to mine, except I'm I'm not putting on an act. This is just how I normally talk. Yeah, I get you. Same here. So let's get started talking about mangoes. Mangoes. The dreaded Japanese comic books. Dreaded? I freaking love them. The other two guys on my <laughs> podcast, they generally prefer anime over manga. And I'm mm. always trying to get them to read stuff that's manga only, or the manga is better than the anime, but it's a challenge. So about a week ago, you mentioned two of your favorite manga that no one has ever heard of. I had yes. not heard, heard of these, but I've read them both, and they're freaking great. They are. I also forgot to mention my absolute favorite manga, which most people haven't heard of. Yeah. Uh, Sekai Oni. I wouldn't particularly call it good, but it's so ridiculously edgy and over-the-top that it wraps around into some of the most hilarious black comedy you've ever seen. Unintentional black comedy, mostly. That sounds pretty cool. So you started yeah, I... in 2012, ran for 11 volumes. Yep. But, uh, Rebuild World is, I believe, still ongoing and absolutely, like, ridiculously high quality in every single way. The pacing, the writing, the character direction, the art, the character designs. It's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I freaking loved it. I was hooked right from the start. Just extremely high quality art. Uh, the setting is cool. It takes a takes the standard video game thing of like characters exploring ruins to kill monsters and search for loot, but it does a lot of interesting things with it, and you can really feel the danger. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Have you read all the way through it, or are you partially like, in it? I'm still in it. I read about 30 chapters, but it was oh, really good stuff. So you're getting close to the uh, end, then. Yeah, yeah. Well, not to the end, but to where the uh, translation is right now. Yeah, hopefully the the group in charge of it keeps running it. Because I've, I've seen stuff... I've seen translations get dropped before. It's always a pain. That's actually what happened around where you're at. The new translator isn't quite as good, but it's fine. He's good enough. Yeah, I'll take a mediocre English translation rather than trying to read the original. Yeah, or like the California translations you see in video games. Oh, yeah, I just love jelly donuts. 
Can't get enough. Ah, <laughs> oh, they're so no. bad. And not even in the funny bad, they're just kind of tragic bad. It is possible to change a lot of things to localize it and have it not be terrible. Because the Phoenix Wright games have proven that, but it's, oh, yeah. it's pretty rare. You have Heck, to really Final love the material. Chrono Trigger did that as well. Yeah, Ted will see. That guy Although that wasn't wasn't really because he had a real passion for the material. It's because he was often given around a week to translate the whole thing from start to finish. And so certain characters' lines went completely untranslated and just made shit up because he didn't have the time. <laughs> yeah. But I've, I've read that most Japanese fans think Final Fantasy VI is a pretty mediocre game, but fans in the West really like it, and it's all due to his script. Yep, because Kafka in the original Japanese had, like, no real personality or translation, and he was just a very generic, effeminate villain. And then Woolsey didn't translate any of his dialogue. He's like, yeah, I'm just going to put the Joker in Final Fantasy. Okay, good. Done. Perfect. Yeah, and it was a legit improvement. I mean, it was. It was essentially a second dialogue writing pass. It's not an accurate or faithful translation in the slightest, but it is a good character writing that he did. Yeah, there's a whole entry on TV tropes about Woolsey-isms. About people who make unnecessary changes when translating something, but they end up making it better anyway. Yep. Which is rare. Most of the time they wind up making it much, much worse. Yes, and I'm sure anyone listening to this can think of dozens of examples. God. I, oh man, I actually, what the hell was, Second Densetsu 3 is a great example of this. Yeah, I remember playing a fan translation of that in the late 90s. Oh, they released it, uh, like, with an official translation, uh, yeah, back well, in 2019, roughly? Yeah, and, uh, uh, the, as, the, both as part of a collection and as a completely new remake. Yeah, the completely new remake, uh, one of the characters whose shtick was that she's talked in a sort of childish manner at times, but not childish at other times. Uh, the way they localized as they attempted to recreate that phenomenon in English was to make her talk in Uwu speak. Oh, what a friggin' pain. Yep, like, there's a randomized thing when you boot up the game where it just says, uh, one of the characters says the title of the game, Trials of Mana. And in, in Charlotte's case, it's Twiles of Mana. Yeah, what an irritating character. <laughs> Oh my god, I am so glad they included the option to play in Japanese with or well, with Japanese voice acting, and then like someone made a mod to uh, just copy-paste the Super Nintendo translation because it is so much better. <laughs> uh, thankfully, Rebuild World doesn't have to deal with any of that. There's a little bit less characterization and personal... Well, yeah, a little bit less characterization, a little bit less personality to the characters of the new translator, but it's fine. It's not a bad translation. It's just that it's gone from 10 out of 10 to like 8 out of 10. Yeah, I, I spent the whole Zero's decade looking at crappy manga translations, and most of the stuff we have now is much higher quality. Oh, God. Did you ever read the Duang translation? Yeah. Yeah, JoJo Part 4. Yes! Yeah, back what? when that was the only uh, English version available. Yeah. What a beautiful duet. Chew. 
<laughs> yeah, you're you're feeling I can feel deeply, etc. But the guy who was translating it from Chinese into English, uh, he was getting better as it went along. Like towards the end of Diamond, you could tell he was giving characters more natural dialogue. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I didn't get that far. I got through part three, got to the two way, and was like, well, guess I'm not reading any more JoJo. The part five was even worse because uh, the guy was trying to be a Ted Woolsey style guy but with his translations, oh, but but he just made up whole conversations out of thin air. I and see. It, Actually, it, it did not work. Did you know about why the Duane guy like translated it? No. Was he just practicing English or what? No, it was his uh, English final in college in China. He needed to... Uh, actually translate something to like pass the class oh so we translated like 20 volumes of manga yeah and did it so poorly that the uh, teacher failed him <laughs> he failed the class and had to redo it <laughs> he was getting better towards the end but yeah yes for most of it it was pretty crap i think i still have those files on my hard drive in case i ever want to relive the memories but there are better much better versions available now. Yeah, I haven't still read the... I read the... I've read the anime. Watched the anime of Part 4. I think that was like one of the last anime that I actually sat down and watched rather than uh, did a watch along the Discord for. But uh, maybe we're like, what, half an hour in and still haven't really discussed manga? Maybe we should do that at some point. Yeah. <laughs> so, you mentioned one of your favorites. Let me talk about one of mine. Have you ever read Battle Angel Alita? I've heard of it. I know that there was, like, a movie version of it. Yeah, there was a live-action movie a couple of years yeah, ago. Yeah, that was, one. I've heard of that one. It was surprisingly faithful. Really? Huh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, James Cameron was the producer, and uh, he's been a fan of Alita for decades. Like, when he was filming Titanic in 97, he was seen wearing an Alita t-shirt. Okay, interesting. Ha! Huh. So, so, the comic ran from 1990 to 95. Okay, so early 90s manga, usually a good sign. Yeah. Uh, it ended abruptly, though. The creator was having health problems, and he honestly thought he was going to die. Ah! So, he wrapped it up in, like, two chapters. Then, but he survived. He took a break for five years and then started a sequel. Okay, rather than uh, fixing the ending, he just started on a new product. That makes sense. Uh, he retconned the ending a bit, but he continued it quite a lot. Then hmm. he's made another sequel, which is still ongoing. So, Alita's been going for 32 years. Ah, actually, that reminds me of something. Yeah. Uh, there was a manga series that I was reading. I guess it is a manga series now. You know, you've heard of Crows? Crows. That, that's about delinquents. Right? Yes. That was uh, the I've, first I've one. I've not read it. It's okay. Like, it's, it's fine. It doesn't really stand out, but has a couple of cool moments in it. They got a sequel. It's like drop or worst. And then the, got another sequel that was drop or worst. I can't remember the order. And then there's also, like, five spinoffs? And I'm like, wait. So this this one thing is apparently, like, half of delinquent manga out there. And yeah, there's, 
there's a ton of them, but it's so hard to differentiate. Hard to differentiate between them. Yeah, a lot of delinquent manga follows the same formula that was apparently established by crows back in like the late '80s. I did once talk to a Japanese chef who said he was in a motorcycle gang in the '60s. He even got a criminal record. Maybe huh. that's why he moved to the states. Maybe. But, but uh, Alita's guy. Alita's about a cyborg girl who is waking from a coma. See, a cyber doctor picked her out of a junk heap and uh, gave her a new body. And it turns out she has a lot of uh, subconscious memories. She, apparently, in her previous life, she was an amazing martial artist and living. Huh. In a, she lives in a shithole called the Scrapyard, where there are no human rights, murder is common, and she decides to get a job as a bounty hunter. Oh, so like, she basically lives around here, got it. <laughs> where do you live? You oh, I'm stuck asking. in purgatory, it sucks. Uh, I, I've lived in run-down shithole towns most of my life, so I always keep my I've doors locked. I've had two locked. attempted break-ins in the past 12 months. Damn. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the weapon laws are like, but keep a baseball bat by your door. I mean, the weapon laws around here are irrelevant. Oh. They exist. Nobody pays attention to them. Hell, oh, I, I know of a guy who uh, modified a Thompson submachine gun to take shotgun shells. Oh, shit. He's got a, it's a fully automatic drum barrel, like 50 round, oh, fully auto shotgun. Oh, that would kill the user, man. Oh, yeah, no, like you can't, like if you try to fire that thing, it's going straight over your head in a couple of seconds. The best you can do is hold it sideways, let the recoil spin you in a circle and kill everything around you. <laughs> it's completely or... insane and illegal in so many different ways, but it yeah. doesn't fucking matter because nobody's going to come here. Or maybe have a strong friend hold it in place while you fire. That's the thing. That guy was like an Olympic level, uh, what do you call it? Weightlifter? Oh. He has absolutely massive fucking arms because it was specifically longbow stuff rather than modern compound bows. Yeah, I've heard that Middle Ages archers had to train for years just to build up muscle to be able to even pull the thing. Yeah, like the longbows we found on the Wreck of the Mary Rose were like 180 pound draw weight. Yeah, that's quite a bit. Yeah, it's insane. It's We can identify medieval longbow archers by the deformations on their spine. Oh, man. So And that guy who can still fire those isn't strong enough to actually hold that fucking thing straight. Yeah, it's not like in the movies where any thin weakling can pull a bowstring and be accurate 100% of the time. Legolas no. is not real. No. I mean, actually, uh, Legolas, if it's Lord of the Rings, elves are specifically stronger than humans. Yeah. Yeah, I've played a Middle-Earth role-playing game from the 80s. And most of the elves are just explicitly better than humans in all respects. <laughs> yeah, so it goes. We've gotten off topic. We how, Were we ever on topic? I think, Trying to talk about I manga. I think we saw a topic once and said, yeah, I don't need this, bye. <laughs> yeah. Read Battle anyway. Angel Alita. If you can't get enough of it, there's 20 years of sequel series oh, continuing the story. Lot. But the original only ran for five years. 
And it's okay. it's quite a good self-contained story. I go back and read it about once a year. I'll definitely have to check out the self-contained one. I like things that don't run for a million years and just are terrible. Looking at you, One Piece, I don't want to watch all three million episodes. I have never read or watched One Piece at all. I've been waiting for it to finish. And I've been waiting over 20 years. <laughs> I first heard someone on a message board around 2002 say, oh, you should get into One Piece. It is the true successor to Dragon Ball. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess it is, since they both run forever. Um, Dragon Ball didn't run forever. It stopped in 1995. It just picked up recently because Toriyama said in an interview that he saw, quote, that American movie, and it pissed him off. So he, <laughs> he, he brought back his characters in the form of Dragon Ball Super. I mean, reasonable. So, That's yes. the same reaction. <laughs> yeah, Dragon Ball Evolution was so terrible, it inspired uh, the creation of an okay new series. So the other manga... Yes, the other one I mentioned... Yes. Gori-san, the kind... No, Gori-sen, sorry, short for Gorilla-sensei. The kind of P.E. teacher who dies first. Yeah, the full English title is a manga about the kind of P.E. teacher who dies at the start of a school horror film. Yes, it's started off as a very, very silly short gag manga where, like, they'd play through the, you know, some sort of evil horror thing shows up and then the uh, PE teacher gets shot, and then he's like, oh, that kind of hurt a bit. What the heck's going on? Yeah, and he'll beat up the ghost or monster, whatever is attacking, and teach them a lesson. Yep. Make and them cl clean the school floors or something. Yes, like, one particular instance that I always use to sell someone on it is uh, a capsule, like, straight out of Dragon Ball Z, crashes into the schoolyard, and uh, an alien with a scouter comes out. He says, hmm, this place is perfect for my new colony, and yada, yada, yada. And then he turns to Gorisen and checks his power level with the scatter, and is like, heh, only three billion, just some, wait, three billion? And then just turns around and tries to leave, just gets to the castle and tries to get out of there, and Gorisen just grabs it and says, you're not leaving until you're fixing up the uh, grass you messed up. Yeah. So that story was like three pages, but it, it worked <laughs> great as a joke. Just yeah. and Had a great setup and payoff. Yeah, and he just, like, the fun thing about it that really helps it stick out from any sort of generic gag manga is that it builds on itself that the Saiyan that showed up doesn't just, like, go into the background. You'll see him, like, all the time working as a cashier at a convenience store because he has to, he's stuck here. He can't leave. Yeah. Yeah. And as it goes on and they introduce more and more, like, generic villains from all sorts of different franchises as well as generic protagonists from all sorts of different franchises for these villains to fight against, you have an actually pretty interesting and memorable cast of ridiculous cross-genre blending. And it just all sort of deliberately piles up on each other. Like, you've got two dudes in the high school that both seem like protagonists. One's hiding from, like, the Demon Slayers, one's hiding from, like, his secret ninja family. And occasionally, like, some guy will show up and spout off generic, haha, I'm here to drag you back into the underworld or whatever. And they'll get confused about which one they're referring to, and they'll be like, oh, no, sorry, this one's yours, bye. 
Yeah, uh, like he brought in characters from Naruto, but because the setting is completely different and because uh, Gorisen is there, yep. it just changes the whole dynamic. It, yes, it, it runs through every single generic high school manga startup where they, a teacher could be expected to die to demonstrate how evil or powerful a character is. Yeah, including some parodies of Western horror flicks. Yes, including that one bit where Jason like tries to cave Gorisen's skull in with an axe, and the axe breaks on him. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it's just it's great. They just introduce characters like Jason after being so thoroughly defeated, completely accidentally by Gorisen, starts having to like he pretended to be the caretaker for the grouts in order to get away, and now he's stuck actually working as the caretaker. Yeah, you see him like trimming the bushes and stuff. Yep. So it does kind of remind me of early One Punch Man. It is extremely similar to early One Punch Man. Like, yeah. One Punch Man mostly parodies Western superheroes with stuff like uh, Blast or uh, Genos. It's very heavily inspired by Western stuff. And like the whole superhero organization where they're sorted into tears and whatnot. Right. This is essentially One Punch Man done by one, but about anime instead of Western stuff. So if you like anime parodies of anime, well, here you go. There's your manga. So I've read a bunch of this manga. I'm not caught up, but hopefully it never gets full of itself high on its own farts like One Punch Man is right now. Eh, that's mostly a Murata thing. Yeah, the guy's an amazing artist, but the current arc has been going on for way too long. Yeah... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a cool fucking arc. There's a lot of cool shit happening, but oh, he oh, yeah. really it, needs it, a firmer editor telling him, okay, this doesn't actually go anywhere. Get rid of it. Yeah, his art belongs in museums, but he's not a good storyteller. No. So we covered two of your favorite manga. Let's talk about at least one more of mine. Yeah. So about a year ago on this podcast, we reviewed... A manga called M.W. by Osamu Tezuka. It's M.W.? Made in, made in 1976. Okay. Another 90s manga. <laughs> so one of the guys on my podcast described this as like a, a horror movie from the perspective of a James Bond villain. This is really a character study of this absolutely vile son of a bitch. Interesting. Okay. Most people know Tezuka from uh, Astro Boy. That's where I heard it before. I knew that I had heard the name before, but I couldn't remember where. Astro yeah. Boy. Okay, he's that guy. Yeah, but this is an extremely dark and brutal setting. Like, <laughs> the protagonist does a lot of nasty shit. Hmm. Interesting. I might have to check it out. Yeah, it's only 26 chapters, so it's a good self-contained story. Oh, cool. I could blow through that, like, right after this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Tezuka liked to create brand new series all the time. So he created over 100 different manga series in his lifetime. Really? Now that's prolific. Yeah. When he was, uh, when he was dying, uh, his nurse said his final words were, I'm telling you, let me work. 
<laughs> ah, the true Sigma grind set. Yeah, the guy's work ethic was incredible, even by Japanese standards. That's saying something. Yeah, I, I can still go back and look at manga he's created that I've never even heard of, and it's it's all it's all fantastic. The man was a genius. And out of all of his stuff I've read, M.W. is the best. M.W.? What an absolutely horrific name to Google search. Yeah, I put a link in the chat for you. Search okay. for Osamu Tezuka, M.W. Gotcha. M.W. What a name. Actually, I don't think I got to cover what makes Rebuild World so good and why you should read it. I mean, aside from the fact that it does yeah. everything good. Yeah, we can talk more about it. It's a... Uh, it's set in a really interesting, like, it's not quite post-apocalyptic, but it is kind of post-apocalyptic. Yeah, I get Mad Max vibes from it. Like, people have these cobbled together vehicles and weapons, and they fight mutants in the desert. But it's not that civilization has totally collapsed. There have been collapses. There are ruins of what used to be a prosperous society. And yeah, they the, often, the, this could the, be thousands of years in the future, for all we know. Yeah, it's essentially some sort of super advanced society, far beyond what regular sci-fi is capable of doing, has collapsed into a moderately sci-fi society. So it's not really post-apocalyptic. There's a bunch of lost technology around, but it's still sci-fi and futuristic. They still have power armor. They still have, like, mechs and robots and cyborgs. But there's stuff that's, like, borderline magic out there that they can't replicate. Sort of like yeah. uh, Warhammer 40k, isn't it? Kind With of. Me mechanical um, priests and whatnot. Yeah. I think the original manga about characters exploring ancient ruins to look through the technology of ancient people. The original is probably Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. Hmm. It was a manga made by Hayao Miyazaki before he turned it into a movie in 84. But the original manga is also excellent. I, I strongly recommend both of them. Wouldn't the earliest stories of that actually be like during the Middle Ages when the, you had various authors discussing visiting Rome at its height of power? All I know is that there is one line of dialogue in Vinland Saga where one of the Viking characters looks at a, some r ancient ruins and says, oh, those were made by some people called the Romans. They were way more advanced than us. Yeah. That was the general opinion of Rome until about the Renaissance. That it was this beautiful, amazing lost civilization. Yeah, they just died out suddenly. We don't know why. <laughs> now go shovel shit. Yes, yeah, so Rebuild World is... Aside from having a relatively unique, like, not quite apocalypse, but not also not, not quite, not quite apocalypse, not, 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 uh also has a really good portrayal of the sort of mindset an individual actually has to develop to survive in those circumstances. Like, the main character is a cold-blooded bastard. He shows some humanity once, once in a while, and it's always oh. for believable reasons. Yeah, he's not like it's not a human, but, like, 
the reason he spared the main love interest when they first met was not because, oh, she's a cute girl, I'm going to spare her, but because he thought, oh, she's unarmed. I should save money by saving myself the bullet. <laughs> yeah, he's like that. I do I'm... wonder if he's gonna end up in a romantic relationship with a hologram girl. Probably not. All the hinting is that she's going to betray him at the end or something like that. Uh, yeah, she does have some kind of hidden motives. Like, the few times where you can see what she's thinking, she's not really thinking... She doesn't give a shit about the main character's health and well-being long-term, except in the ways that he can serve her. And she's thought to herself several times, I need to analyze his mindset in order to manipulate him more effectively. Right. Which is not the sort of thought process you have if you're doing something that someone naturally would want to do because it benefits them. Yeah, in one of her internal monologues, she said she tried this over 900 times with mm -hmm. different people. Most of them died or quit being... Yeah, most of them died, some of them quit. There was at least one example of someone who had reached her objective and refused to cooperate afterwards. So she's definitely up to something that's no good for him. Yeah, I'm liking all of the characters in Rebuild World. Oh, man, yeah, especially the contrast between the uh, Rankham Hunters and, like, the protagonist, because there's another group that's very similar to your standard shonen hero group, where you have, like, the hot-blooded hot male leader, the uh, kudere uh, chick with a hair over one eye, and, like, the smart chick... And they're all working together towards goals. You also have the Ojo-sama. And they, like, do stuff like relying on friendship and trusting each other and being able to make assumptions about human kindness that the main character cannot comprehend. He doesn't understand that mindset at all. The idea of trusting people is so utterly foreign to him, he wasn't even able to have a conversation with them without taking at least one of them hostage. Yeah. It's like, these people work together as a group? Inconceivable. And that's really why I like the portrayal of the main character's uh, mindset. He's, like, not inhuman. He's a cold-blooded bastard. And it's not necessarily shown as a positive. He has, his mindset is causing him problems when working with other people. And it's useful when working alone, because he's been alone all of his life, because he's a slum kid. But it's kind of fucking him up in other ways. And... That's a really interesting thing that a lot, a lot of manga authors are capable of writing. Yeah, there's quite a lot of nuance to the character. He is a bastard, as you say, but everything he says is completely believable. Like, all, all of his actions, I understand them. I would probably do the same in his situation, to be honest. Yeah, like, everything he does is relatable and makes sense. And even if you don't think what he's doing is the correct choice of action... You can see why he's making that decision, and that's true for basically every single character that shows up, even the big players. And that's really what its real strength is. Sure, it's got great art and a unique setting and hot chicks and yada yada yada, but the real strength of it, the real reason you want to read Rebuild World, is because it has ridiculously strong character writing that accurately portrays people with different mindsets and how that mindset is sometimes beneficial, and sometimes fucks them over. Yeah, and I like the woman who stores nanobots inside her chest. <laughs> that's such a good detail, because it's not like that's a standard thing where 
women naturally store the nanobots inside their chest for ammo or whatever. That was a conscious choice she made because she wanted huge titties. Yes. And that is I... an incredibly believable character motivation. Yeah, I want this surgery to give me giant tits, thanks. Yes, I approve. I shouldn't have to do that, but she chose to do that. Because she wanted to be hotter, and it's like, okay, yeah, believable character writing. There you go. Yeah, Rebuild World is excellent. It's still ongoing, so I'm going to be following this from now on. It's high-quality entertainment. It really is cream of the crop. I'm looking forward to its eventual anime adaptation. I hope they can capture the ridiculously high-quality art style in it as well. Uh, they might. Anime CG is getting better all the time. That's true. A bunch of the robots could be done with CG relatively smoothly and not look weird because they're already all polygonal. Yeah, some CG looks horrendous, like the 2016 Berserk. <laughs> but but some, some of it looks great, like the 2016 Gantz movie. We watched did... it on Shitposter Movie Night just last week. I did not catch that one, actually. Oh, it looks great. Just listen to the previous episode of this podcast. Like... It, not only is it faithful to the manga, but uh, the CG in it is so excellent. Sometimes I forgot I was looking at a cartoon. Huh. I really thought I was looking at a human being for a moment. Remarkable. I might have Look, to check that out then. Looks better than the manga, even. That's hard for an anime to do most of the time. Yeah, occasionally it does. So, before I let you go, I, I did just want to round this out by asking the same questions I usually ask people I interview. Alrighty. What was your first anime or manga? Uh, I believe Fushigi Yugi. Yeah, I freaking love it. Could have been Magic Knight's Ray Earth, but it was one of those two. I also like Magic Knight Ray Earth. Probably Clamp's best work. Yeah, it's an isekai that, like, doesn't do a video game and does really interesting stuff with the idea of a foreign world that operates on strange and unnatural alien laws. Yeah, and I, I won't spoil it, but there's a certain tragic thing that happens near the end, and oh, fuck, just... Right? It's like a dagger into the heart. Yeah, I think the anime could, you know, use a lot of editing because they do a lot of flashbacks to save an animation budget. But uh, yeah. really solid overall. Great concept as well. Yeah, today's isekai could probably learn a thing or two from Magic Knight Ray Earth. But I like Fushigi Yugi a lot, too. Like, Nakago is a badass villain. He's I don't freaking scary every time he's on it. screen. I tried to watch it, like, again, like, what, a decade ago now, roughly? And I was just like, wow, this is so poorly paced. I can't fucking watch it. I hate this. Bye. And just stopped after like episode three. <laughs> I haven't seen it this century, but it, it's possible it doesn't hold up. It's, it's not as quite as good as I liked it as a teenager. That's but it might. Very possible. Yeah. yeah but I'm thinking of streaming anime for shit poster sometime soon. So yeah. if I do that, Fushigi Yugi is near the top of my list. I'll definitely have to pop in for that then. Yeah, c currently Cool Boy Mew has been streaming uh, some of the Love Live series from 2013. 
Right, he mentioned that in my stream, and I was like, I don't like cute girls doing cute things. I like yeah. pain. I like suffering. Yeah. I like, you know, the female romance interest pissing herself in fear at the male lead well, because he has a gun pointed at her. <laughs> there's this manga called Berserk that you might like. <laughs> I've read Berserk. It's okay. It's the, the arts pinnacle of human some... achievement. It has How some really you. good stuff. The fight direction and writing and structuring is not great. It's always Guts gets angry and hits it with his sword and then wins because he's angry and strong. And that's repetitive and boring after a while. Uh, if, you, if you slow down while reading it, you'll see Guts uses a lot of strategy during his battles. Like, uh, when fighting the, the insect apostles, one's a mantis and one is a beetle, they attack him from different sides with a pincer attack, and he counters by hitting them both at the same time, by sh uh, shooting his cannon from one arm and using the momentum of that to swing his sword at the other. I mean, I guess, but it doesn't really have the same sort of uh, quality <laughs> for fight formula that was sort of developed after, well, JoJo Part 2, mostly. Yeah, I was going to say, it's... Nowhere near as elaborate as JoJo's puzzle fights, and I enjoy those a lot as well. Also, but, if it's going to start going into things like momentum and the way that works, you're going to have to completely fucking redesign his sword to not be a fucking boat paddle. Uh, yeah, the logistics of a guy swinging around a 300-pound slab of iron, or even for a guy who works as hard as Guts, it's pretty ridiculous. I mean, we do, like, Guts is partially based on a couple of different real-life historical figures. Uh, the author said uh, it was pure coincidence. There's no way in hell that the design of that arm so strongly resembles the arm of Iron Hand Gots. Yeah, Gots von Berlickingen. Yeah, that guy. There's no way that it resembles it that strongly and it's pure coincidence, both in its function and its design and its form. Yeah, and a guy named Gots. Yeah, Gots versus Guts. And he also he also said Ash from Evil Dead. It was coincidentally similar to Guts and having a mechanical arm and fighting skeletons. And I mean, I can understand, you know, big guy, giant, strong sword being a coincidence with, uh, what's his name? What's his name? Uh, Pierre Skirlaf Donia. I don't know him. Oh, you don't know him? No. How do I uh, spell he that? He has, he was the really big, tall, strong guy who used what is believed to be the single largest sword in human history that was used as a combat weapon. Yeah, I've heard about those uh, gigantic Japanese swords used for killing horses. Or like, uh, Zanmato or something. Yeah, those things. No, he was using a... God, how long is his sword? Let me check this real quick. Uh, ba -ba -ba -ba. Yeah, put a link in the chat if you could. Yes. 213 centimeters in length. So over seven feet long. Over seven foot long sword. Man. Let's put this here. Thank you. Yes, weighs 14 pounds. It's, I've, uh, I've swung around three-pound swords, and my arm gets tired after 30 seconds. Right? Yeah, no, this guy was said to be strong enough that he could fold coins in half with just oh, two man. fingers. 
He's like a hydraulic press in his hands. Yes, and uh, was able to cut through multiple men with a single blow. Man, it's like something from one of my Japanese animes. Right? Like, you'll never find anything more anime than actual medieval history. It will actually out-anime anime. So, how did you first find out about shitposter.club? Uh, someone sent me a link to shitposter.club and was like, Hey, it's your home! And I'm like, oh, wait, yeah, this is, cool. It's a place where I can shitpost. It's the club for shitposters. I'm a shitposter, I should join this. Yeah, it's the best website on the internet. <laughs> I've been friends with Moon for years, even before the website existed. And one day he told me about this new project he was working on. So I signed up and I've been there ever since. Ah. Let's see, I will... Where do I... Where do I... God, I wish I could find an easy way to send this, but no, it's, the sword is just ridiculous. Like, there's a normal size, like, five, there's a picture of a normal sized 5'10 guy holding the sword, and, like, the tip's on the ground, and the cross guard is at his chin. Man. But, you know, it looks like a very long, thin, very practical sword that he could hit people with. Yeah, that's pretty red. Absolutely ridiculous. And I mean, I can believe that just being a coincidence that there's like this big strong guy using a big huge sword. That's just, that's just intuitive that the big guy uses the big weapon. But I don't believe that goths and guts are like not actually related. Yeah, two guys with almost identical names in a mechanical hand. Yep. Even had a similar, couple of similar designs in there, like the magnets. Yeah, to hold the sword in place while he swings it. Yep. And, uh... Too bad, too bad the author's dead. We'll never get a straight answer out of him. I mean, he left his assistant with a bunch of information, right? It's what I've heard. And his friend, um, Koji Mori, uh, the guy who did Holy Land, uh, he's working on it now. Ah, okay. So he's going to be finishing it. He also did a one-shot about attending Kentaro Miura's funeral. Huh. Just the existential horror of looking down at the the coffin containing the corpse of his lifelong friend. I'll give you a link to that as well. That sounds interesting to read. Um, I actually read Holy Land. Yeah? It's one of those, one of like two or three manga that I recommend for people who actually want to learn a bit how fighting actually works. Yeah, it seems it got into low-down, dirty street fights where you'll do anything to survive, and I like that. The number one manga that I recommend for people that actually really want to learn how to fight, though, is Bouncer. Not Grappler Baki? Not Grappler Baki. Bouncer has actual real-life bodyguard techniques, such as one of the ultimate ways to... Uh, stop some sort of issue, some sort of violence, is to get a bunch of eyewitnesses by having some sort of loud buzzer going off or by yelling, oh god, help me. <laughs> Alright, it's from 2014. Still ongoing. I'll check this out. Yep. It's real interesting. There's some goofy stuff in there, but a lot of the fundamentals of how Bodyguard Job works actually, you know, are represented there fairly accurately. Also, yeah. I think you've only gotten into one question of your usual sign-off before we went totally off the rails again. 
What do you mean? I I asked you about your first anime and how you got into shit poster. Oh, were those the only two questions? Yeah. Okay, well then. Simple enough. You know, I could spend another few hours trying to convert you to the Church of Berserk, but if you've read it and you think it's average, uh, you're wrong. You're dead wrong, but I understand. For something that has so much time spent on the fight scenes, it doesn't really do battle manga particularly well. Character direction, sure. Uh, visuals, sure. Will wrestling, sure. But it focuses really heavily on combat, and that's where it's weakest. Oh, it's combat is freaking excellent. The battle with Rosine, the Moth Apostle, freaking loved it. So bad. Anyway, I'll be signing <laughs> off because I've got a guy to backseat in Final Fantasy V. All right, thanks for joining us, Jones. All righty, I'll be seeing you around. All right, good night. Thank you.